Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. This is Anthony Robbins host, The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. This is Anthony Robbins host, The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. So we give y'all real, real long. <laughs> I've been lying for so long. I've been lying for so long. <laughs> Believe me, I'm probably a porno, pornoologist. We cannot continue to deny women or minorities access to a system that has everything but their input. host of the reality is where filtering becomes extinct today's show is brought to you by blog talk radio your voice your independence your platform so join us as we work to build a listener and podcaster centric podcast ecosystem by going to www.blogtalkradio.com man this is episode 128 and uh honestly i, I really didn't even want to do an intro because most time I know people have been listening over the last couple of weeks. I've been talking about, hey, I need a co-host and I would like for somebody to email if you want to be on the show and everything. And I, I got this one listener who reached out to me and he's in Miami. He, you know, he's living in Miami right now. And he reached out to me and he was like, hey, man, I want to help out in any way I can. He talked about co-hosting and we didn't do the go the whole co-hosting route because of, you know, his his location and not being here. It's a remote location. But Man, I got Jakeem Gregory on the phone, man, and this guy reached out to me, and not only did he want to help podcasts, he wanted to help with anything else I needed him to do, and that's something that is very rare and hard to find, man. So with no further ado, I got the homie Jakeem Gregory on the line. How you doing today, bro? Yeah, bro. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. I think the the funny thing about this this uh, this is not even an interview, but the funny thing about this podcast episode that I think will catch a lot of people off guard is the fact that you hear a lot of people saying, "Hey, we connected with the listeners, we deal with the listeners." But, bro, you are a listener of the podcast, and not to be funny, now we sitting here chopping it up, and we've been actually talking the last three weeks like we grew up together, bro. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, I think what's crazy, and those for those that are listening right now. You know, man, I thought you, I really just jumped into to podcasting, man, about a year ago. Yeah. I was looking to expand my horizons. Just, I was doing a lot of traveling for business, man. And, uh, you know, I just got to a point where, you know, you know, listen to so many songs, the same song so many times, right? Very so I true. stumbled across the podcast and came across yours. And, uh, like I told you, the first one I listened to was, uh, you know, The Big Dick in the Room. Yeah. I had no idea what I was getting into, bro. <laughs> 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 I just listened to it. It was so different than anything I could, I heard, man. I automatically connected, and then I just went on the rampage to listen to all the podcasts, and it was just really something I could vibe and connect 
with, man. So I definitely wanted to, to reach out, uh, you know, support people with like-minded, you know, like-minded thought processes. And, uh, you know, that's kind of kind of where I reached out to you at, man. So where did you, uh, like, I know you, a lot of times the people, I was talking to these guys last night, and I was like, especially in the black community, we really don't know about podcasts, and a lot of people are still listening to, like, K104, all the major, you know, like, radio stations, but you already told us, like, why you started listening to podcasts, but actually, how did you find my podcast personally? Um, You know, I think when I, it, it took me a second to figure out the podcast itself, you know, just the app, I was so brand new to it, and, uh, you know, when I got onto the actual podcast app, yeah. you know, the the first podcast that that popped up were you know related around business and, and money and, and all the you know the bigger podcasts yeah. out there like uh, you know CNBC and all that good stuff. Yeah. And you know, I wanted something that was different, so I just started typing in different terms of things that you know I was interested in. And uh, you know, as I was typing in some of those different keywords um, of my interest, your podcast actually popped up. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think for those that, you know, are seeking, you know, either your podcast or just things that they're interested in, I found the best way instead of going online and looking at the best syndicated podcasts or the ones with the most, most listeners, um, it's very much in your best interest to type in things that you're actually interested in. <laughs> and I think there's, I think you guys have tags or what have you, and yeah. it automatically links, um, those keywords to your tags and that's how I came across you, Yeah. Cause I, um, I think when I, when we first started, it was like, they, they told us that, you could either be under like philosophy and I was like, well, I don't know if my shit is actually philosophy. You know, I know it's a podcast out, um, this guy up in Indiana and it's called ignorant philosophy. And I guess it is a philosophy. It's a philosophy of what we think, how we think, how we feel. So I guess it is. So they have us, um, under, uh, I think philosophy and culture and society and culture. So, I mean, that was crazy. One of the things that, that we wanted to talk about today, you know, with, with everybody listening, a lot of people, I have to always say this. I am not a relationship expert at all. I have been in a plethora of relationships, but I know, you know, when you sent me some of the questions you wanted to talk about, we definitely wanted to talk about like online dating and social media and how it's, uh, you know, affecting the traditional dating um, ways and perception. And it's funny because right before you called, I was looking at this website um, it's called it's cheating.com and it gave it said uh, five ways social media has changed the dating game. And the first one was it says the contact is easier. Two was in person meetings occur with virtual strangers. Three private is private life is no more public uh, is no longer private. It's public conversations may be scripted and inter interpretation is difficult. One of the first things that tripped me out was the scripted conversation, because if we've all dated or talked to a girl or maybe met somebody online and it's like via text, bro, you say a lot of shit. And girls, especially, they say a lot of shit that they want and that they will do via text, you know, and via social media than they would actually say in person. Why do you think that is? Yeah, man, I, man, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, social media has, social media and text messaging has created this shield, right? Yeah. Like, I think in the past, and I know for a fact in the past, right, like, before all this stuff existed, you know, you actually had to approach another physical human being. And, you know, think about the people that didn't take the initiative to do that. What yeah. prevented them from doing that? It was the fear of, it was the fear of rejection. So I think rejection now is a hell of a lot easier to accept <laughs> behind an avatar on Tinder. Very true. Or, you know, behind a text message and shit, if you don't respond and I never see you again, shit, I just chalk it up to the game. Exactly. But I think the spinoff, what you said as well, um, a similar article, man, they talked about dating becoming more of a buffet culture now, right? Yeah. So, you know, in in, in a junction, conjunction with the fear of rejection, you also got 
the lack of patience, you know, shit, back in the day, you know, my parents were married for 40-some years, so it's like, you know, they had to put up with a lot of things to yeah. get to where they're at, but everything perfect, nah, but now, you know, there's so many options that if you piss me off, or you piss some chick off, you know, their level of tolerance just isn't there anymore, because they know right now they can get back in the buffet line, get back on Tinder and find some, some new nigga, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> so, it's, cra- it's crazy yeah. that you say that, because I've never looked at it, Um, you know, I've never heard anybody use that analogy as a buffet line, or the buffet setup but i mean that's true and and the funny thing about it is online dating has made people like you said people who was those people those men and women who were not approaching people or were not being approached their whole mindset is different imagine that person who doesn't have like the gift of gab or that girl who may be beautiful but people see her as a thing and nobody's really approaching her but now you put your picture up you're attractive and you get like 30 hits, you know what I'm saying? In like an hour from guys, like you said, it changes your mentality. And it also kind of creates, it's not realistic, bro. Like if, if think about it, if they took social media away right. Yeah. Goddamn. Now some people lives, they wouldn't know what to do because their lives are so based on social media on what other people are doing. And when it comes to dating, like you said, they're able to discard people, men and women, because they know they got something else lined up. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you though, and that's, that's funny you say that because nowadays you hear so many women be like, I want somebody like my father or I want a marriage like my mother's and my father's my mom and dad. I think they were married or together like 17 years. But my dad left the first time when I was eight and he was finally gone and good gone at like when I was 12 years old. You said your parents have been together. How long? Yeah, my parents have been together for 41 years. Now. 41 years. Okay. So take this out. You, 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 you know what it is to, to love somebody, you know, what black love looks like if, uh, you know, I've never met you in person, so I don't know. I, I'm guessing both of your parents are black. Cause you're about as dark as me. Is that correct? So, so with, with that, have you ever sat down with your dad and talked to him and been like, Hey dad, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like this girl, or have you ever talked to him about marriage or has he ever talked to you about marriage? And if he did, what was something that maybe had stood out to you that he said? Because we, we don't all have this, you know, we don't all have that accessible to us to get that knowledge. And a lot of people out here think their parents have never cheated, never did anything wrong, never skipped out on a bill, never came home. They just look at it and say, 41 years, damn, I wish I had that. But they don't realize your mom had patience and your dad had patience to get there. Am I, am I right or am I wrong? No, nah, man, you 100, 1 million percent accurate. I think, you know, it's, it's funny, man, like, you know, I'm 29, and you see a lot of stuff over 29 years, and I think on paper, a lot of people see 41 years, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's amazing in yeah. every sense of the word, amazing, but they don't understand the different levels that it took to actually get there, you know what I mean? Like, like there's definitely some challenges along the way, and I think one of the biggest things that I, I took from my dad, my parents got married, you know, relatively young, yeah. you know, early 20s, you know, here I am 29, still not married, um, so very non-traditional in a sense, but... I think, you know, the biggest thing that I learned from both of my parents is just the level of compromise, the level of acceptance, and just the level of work it truly takes to get to that point. And I think there's definitely some sacrifice, man. And I think, you know, the the correlation between the things that they said that allowed them to be successful are the things that we're actually missing in our, you know, dating culture today. Yeah. I mean, I'm single, so I'm in the, I'm in the dating culture every day, yeah. <laughs> every, every, every single day. Yeah. And when you talk about the work, you talk about, you know, the sacrifice, you talk about the compromise, you know, we just talked about those are things that we don't necessarily do anymore. Like, you know, if you make some girl mad two times or, you know, she pisses you off a couple times, bro, you know, if you got people blowing up your Tinder box, your DMs, you know, you're a lot more receptive to that stuff. Oh, of because course. Because you think that the pastures are greener on the other side. So, 
you know, going back to your original question, you know, I think the the biggest things that I took away is 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 two things my pops told me, bro. It's like, hey, you gonna mess up, you know what I'm saying? It's just a matter of of how y'all work it out yeah. on the back end. Like you got to make accept it. You gonna mess up, you gonna mess up. Yeah. It's just it's just that simple. Right? But are you willing to go through the necessary steps, um, you know, to, to repair the damage done and move forward and focus on the ultimate prize, which is long term, you know, long term love. Yeah. And the other thing is just as simple as you know, he sees me being single, which he respects that I'm single and that I'm not just diving into anything. Yeah. But he also talked about, you know, how it allows you to focus more once you do find that person. He's not saying go cast your line and just go fishing every day. Yeah. But he's saying if you come across something that you really think you can deal with, you know, it's worth entertaining and worth sacrificing maybe some of the things, you know, that you're focused on, you know, all the time because it allows you to be more focused in your, your life because you're not going out to the club, you know, thinking you got to get numbers. You're not on Tinder all day. True. You know, swiping right because, you know, they, niggas don't swipe <laughs> left. People only swipe right. You know? Yeah, they swipe right just to so, see what's going to fall in there, bro. <laughs> yeah. I literally had a homeboy. Point, and I, I literally had a homeboy. We went out to dinner one day and he was on he was on Tinder. <laughs> And he pulled it up and he did exactly what you said. I just, I, I knew about Tinder because I don't know what episode we did, but it was an episode where I did like, um, we did like some, um, I don't, I don't try to, we tested, you know, like several dating websites to see, you know, how many hits you would get and how it works out. So when I saw him, I knew about the left swipe and the right swipe or whatever. And he just went in and he just went ham on going right. He went right for about five minutes, for about five minutes straight, bro. And I said, what the fuck are you doing? You like all of these girls? He's like, no, I don't like all of them, but why not just see what, you know, see what sticks? Because the thing about it is, even if it's a girl, let's just rank it from one to 10. If a girl hits you up and she's a six and you look at the picture and you say, uh, she okay. Then you look at other pictures and it's like, okay, she got some breasts. She got some ass. Not to be funny, depending on what your situation is and what you're really looking for, bro, you go out there and be like, all right, I'll go to dinner. I'll take her to dinner one day. And not to be funny, if you can smash, it's some girls as men. I don't know if you do this, but I know I've heard several men do this in myself too. When I look at a woman, bro, I pretty much know if I would date her, sleep with her, get head from her, get all of the above from her or nothing at all. And like, that's what Tinder is to me. When you see that, you know what the fuck you're looking for, bro. Yeah, uh, bro, 100%, bro. Like, Hey, it's funny he said that, like, I think people are allergic to swiping left. Hell, I'm allergic to swiping left, bro. Like, <laughs> it ain't even, like, like, I'm just allergic to it. Like, man, you may go into it. Like, when I first moved to Miami, it's kind of like a heat check, too. Like, yeah. like I said, I used to travel a lot for work, man. And it's like, yo, like, I'm in, let's say I'm in Dallas, you know what I'm saying? Like, you may not even be interested in talking to some of the women that come across, but yeah. it's an ego stroke. To yeah. Like, yeah, shit, I'm in Dallas. I got about 15 matches in an hour. Exactly. Damn, I'm in Miami and I got like five and 30 minutes. Like, yeah. what's going on? I need yeah. to change some things up. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny, man. And, and it's so funny because it leads us into to what we what the next step is or what we were talking about is be, like once you're in a relationship, sometimes the relationships are good. Sometimes they're bad. And not to be funny, in a bad relationship, you know, it's like people are prone to stay even though they know they're unhappy there. Now, even in relationships, because I've been in relationships where the relationship is not actually bad. I just know myself and I know at this point in time, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to check out. I literally just talked to my girl the other day, bro. Six years in the game. And I told her, I was like, that seven year it shit is real. I feel like I have a good girlfriend. I feel like she's dope. Me and you've talked about that before. And you've even said, hey, bro, you got to have a good one for some of the shit that you say on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? But I was telling her, I said, yeah, that seven year itch is real because even now, bro, I, my eyes, it's kind of like they've reset. 
and you start to look around and you start to be like, well, what else can I have? Especially for me, bro, because like I pretty much been with her before the whole height of this online dating thing. Like right before her, I had one episode where I talked about dating online and I was on match.com. Like back in the day, match.com was it. Match.com was religion, bro, because not to be funny, it was the best thing out there. And then not to be funny, you got the millennials that are very smart and they start creating Tinder and for gays, they got Bumble and all this other bullshit. So it's like it made it easier. And as a person who hasn't even really been out there to experience these things, a lot of times bro, I sit up and I'm like, what the fuck would I be doing right now if I wasn't in a relationship and I was out in these streets like the other niggas have the access to do? Man, I would be no motherfucking good, and I'm gonna tell you that right now, bro. I just said it last night on the I just said it last night on the uh, Talking Greasy podcast, man. Shout out to Broderick, but I was just telling him last night, bro. I said I would be an ain't shit nigga if I was out here in these streets. It would you would have to literally put a fucking collar on me to pull me back out of here, bro. And I tell myself all the time, I don't know if I want these streets no more, bro. I really don't. I really don't. Yeah, but but to get to what we were talking about, why do you feel like people stay in unhealthy relationships? Is it because of the fear of unknown or, you know, they're scared to be dependent? Because I said last night on the podcast, too, a lot of people get married and get in relationships now for financial, you know, stability because it's harder to make it on your own because the cost of living is consistently going up. But your pay is not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think like that's definitely a factor, man, but. You know, from my experience, you know, talking to some of my friends, some of the people I dated in the hell even myself, like, I think one of the one of the biggest things, number one, is like, think about niggas, right? Like, yeah. like pussy's a big deal, niggas, just yeah. period, point blank, just what it is. So, like, I got one homeboy, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, everybody's got that friend where they always talk about breaking up, right? They keep breaking up. Yep. They don't, or they, they want to break up. But the thought of him, like you just said, having to go back in the game and not having that guaranteed at the end of the night yeah. and, and having to go back through dating, you know, I think that's one thing. I think another thing, and maybe this is more so men and women, is that the thought of being with somebody for so many years, you know what I'm saying, and there's just certain things, certain names y'all call each other in the bedroom, certain things that y'all do, the thought of that person doing that with somebody else yeah man, absolutely destroys some people's brains bro that's just something that some people ain't ready ain't ready to accept i've been through and that I think, yeah hell yeah me too bro it's difficult. I, I remember when my when my ex girlfriend, my ex ex girlfriend, because I know the last one don't want, she probably will listen and be like, "Don't put that shit on me." But my ex, two exes ago, bro, I never forget when she left me. I found out she was talking to another guy, and she hadn't physically messed with him, but emotionally they had connected, and I found out about it. And I remember telling her, I was like, "Hey, I know about it. You can go ahead and roll out." Well, a couple of months later, after we had broken up, she ended up moving out of state, and she moved away with this guy. So she ended up calling me like six months later. Mind you, I haven't really talked to her. I don't know where she's at. And I get that phone call. And because I cared about her so much, bro, in that moment, I was like, okay, what the fuck? She's calling me. So I answered the phone and I'm playing it cool. Like, what's good with you? And my nigga, <laughs> my nigga, as she was talking to me, I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm just washing dishes. And like, before I asked another question, she said, I just wanted to let you know, I moved to Florida. I'm with him, but I wanted to know how you were doing. Then I heard a dog bark, bro. And I said, when did you get a dog? And she was like, he has a dog. And I was like, you washing this nigga dishes, you cooking for this nigga, and he got a dog. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? Like, my nigga, that shit fucked my head up because, like you said, and for me, I was her first. So it was like, I met her when I was 20 and she was 18. 
So it was one of those things, bro. I taught her all those things. Not to be funny, I knew she was sucking dick and fucking on on ten because I taught her this shit. So it's like I'm like yeah. you now down there playing the house and giving this nigga all this good pussy that I didn't help you get to. Uh, yeah, bro, that shit fucks you up. Okay. But the that, thing, but the thing that helps you out too, the thing that helps you out is going through something like that. To me, in my opinion. I've never been hurt like that again. Maybe because it's, I'm a little bit guarded, but it's also like, bro, when you've been hurt that bad, what the fuck else can happen to you? When you know that somebody else is dicking down the love of your life, what else? Shoot me, nigga. I'll probably still live, bro. Really? It, I mean, what else can you do? Bro, I'm be honest with you. <laughs> and for all y'all listening, and that <laughs> shit, I'm telling you the way I defend myself, bro. Hey, you damaged the goods after that, baby. I yeah. Hell, I could have fucked up the relationship. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. the minute, but, like, you know, it might be an opportunity for us to still talk, this and that. I could, hey, what I don't know don't hurt me. Yeah. But the minute I know you doing some shit like that, or I know you mess with somebody else physically, oh, uh, you tainted, baby. Yeah. Like, I, I, we can't get back together. That's just what it is. But man. why? But so why hurt. is it like that? Because I'm pretty sure women are listening and probably saying, why is it like that when y'all cheat? And y'all get caught. Most men still want to be there. You know, the cake and eat it too scenario. But why is it that men are so dead set on cutting people off? Like I've told the story on the podcast again. I had an old homeboy who had been married for a while. And he used to use me as his scapegoat for cheating. You know what I'm saying? And he, I knew at least about 10 times or 10 women that I knew he had fucked with. And one day he hit me up. He wanted to talk. We went out to a bar. He talked to me and he told me his wife cheated. And he was pissed. He was ready to be done, ready to kill the dude, you know, following her and shit. And I told him, I said, bro, you got to chuck that shit up and you got to charge it to the game. And the reason I said that, not trying to be in his business, but I was just like, you done did it so many times. How can you be mad at the one time that I'm aware of that, you you know, that he told me about that she did it 12 to one? Bro, you got to chalk that shit up if you really want to be there. So why is it like that? Why do yeah, why yeah. are men like that where we like, fuck it, you fuck with one other dude. He kiss you. He touch you. He penetrates you. We're done. Why the fuck we like that? Yeah, dog. I think, shit, I don't care what nobody says, man. You can be the hardest nigga in the room. Everybody's subconsciously insecure. Like, Hell yeah. Like, what it is, that's number one. Everybody's subconsciously insecure, bro. Like, like, just what it is. I don't give a damn. I could be the most confident nigga in the room. You know what I'm saying? Shit, Rick Fox. You <laughs> walk in the room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're going to get a little hot. You know, yeah. A little beads of sweat going to be on your little forehead. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's, uh, it, I think it really comes down to this, dog. And you can tell me what you think. Like, when a man looks at a woman, and they can go into the club, you know, it could be in a room, it could be some chick that he is completely not attracted to, but shit, if you're not taking low, bro, you ain't you ain't busted in a while, like, yeah. you are going to start thinking with that portion of your body. Of course. And, but the minute after you, minute after you nut, though, bro, like, it's a wrap, it's over. You good. Like, your dad might be like, damn, why, why I do that? Bro, but we, we talked about that last night, too. Yeah, yeah, but dog, from a woman, bro, oh, man, like, bro, like, a woman has to, women can, you know, can say this ain't true, bro, but a woman has to either physically or emotionally be attracted, it has to be some type of connection, you know what I'm saying, some type of energy for her to allow somebody to penetrate, and yeah. penetration is dominant, too. Yeah, it is. When you think about somebody dominating that woman, bro, yeah. it's just, that just fucks your head up, bro. Like, yeah. you know that she wanted that. Yeah. Like, that's what you, you know she wanted it, and then after that, I just... Hey, bro. Like, I mean, but but that's real, especially like you said about the the nut and the masturbation. We talked about it last night, and one of the the, the hosts of the show, he asked me. You know, well, he asked all of us. It was a panel of us, and he said, 
do you masturbate before you go out if you're in a relationship? And I told him, I was like, bro, I have to masturbate at least one time sometimes if I'm going out and I know there's going to be women in that area. Because like you said, a mind, and this is what people have to understand. Men are, we really are simplistic. We, everybody is like a la- an onion. We have layers, but for the most part, I think, for, you know, men may have three to five layers. This is just me talking hypotheticals. And then a woman may have 10 layers because they, they expect more of men than men do of women. But it's like, if you masturbate, bro, my mind ain't thinking about that shit. Like we are so one track, one uh, track minded sometime to where it's like, I want pussy. I want pussy. I'm thinking about pussy. I could have a girl. And like you say, if you masturbate, it honestly saves you from those mistakes because I know it's been a million times, not several, a million times where I've been with a woman and I'm like, why the fuck did I do that after it's over? Maybe because it was like, I know she's too emotionally connected to me. Maybe it's because it's like she was a plus size woman and I'm like, I wouldn't even go with this girl in public. Maybe because it's one of those girls who's attractive, but a lot of niggas done ran their numbers up on her. For whatever the case may be, we've all had that afterthought where we're like, why did I do that? And I'll tell you guys who are listening to the podcast, even girls, rub one out before you make a mistake, bro. I'm telling you, it'll save you a lot of fucking time. But 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 to get back to the main point of why people stay in unhealthy relationships, honestly, because they want to. And I also think they stay because, like you said, a fear of being alone, especially when you've added years to being in that relationship. If you were somebody six months to a year, most of the time when I hear my homeboys in a couple of months talking about, I'm unsure about this relationship. I always say, get out now while you can. When you put a year in and two years in, man, you're building a rapport with this person. You're building a relationship with this person. You're, you're finding out intimate things about that person to where not to be funny. People don't really pay attention to this, but I'm a big hygiene person. I don't want to start over and have to figure out if this girl vagina smell, if she's very clean, if her house is clean, like to learn all these things all over again, bro. It'll keep you at home with the person that you're with. But not to be funny, it doesn't take away that need or that yearning to be with somebody else. So if you don't correct that shit and communicate with the person you with, you'll end. I mean, not to be funny, I feel like that's how cheating starts. A lack of communication about what is wanted and what is needed. And then that's it kind of creates that cycle of unhealthy relationships and people stay in relationships that they're not even communicating in, man. Yeah, yeah. People don't understand their partner's needs, right? Like, I think it's exactly what you said, going back to the whole lonely point. Sometimes people get to a point to where they just have a desire to be in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, for whatever reason, maybe they're in a new city, maybe they, you know, they don't know anybody, so they just, they're trying to fill a void of loneliness through a relationship, or maybe they call themselves a hopeless romantic, or maybe they're getting to a certain age, and they feel like, all right, it's time for me to get in something. So what that does is, man, it compromises their judgment. You know what I'm saying? And then it segues into the stage you just talked about, and they're like, oh, shit, I'm in this, I'm in this shitty situation. But they fool themselves because it's like, oh, but I, we can make it work. I got a boyfriend. I got a girlfriend, what have you. And then, you know, it creates that lack of, you know, that lack of, of um, you know, what I was – like it, it compromises your decision-making. Yeah. And says, hey, I'm going to stay in this relationship because, you know, I have what I was seeking. You know, it may not be exactly what I need long-term, yeah. but they're not – nobody's looking long-term. Everybody's looking in the moment right, yeah, now, right now, which leads to high divorce rates and cheating, like you said. But it's funny, too, because I think another reason a lot of people stay in unhealthy relationships sometimes or a relationship that they don't feel like is necessarily going anywhere is because people are scared of of what other people think. You know what I'm saying? Like, say, for instance, like 
Yeah. Let's say Denzel, like just take Denzel and his wife for 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 example. Bro, all the shit they've been through, not to be funny, I don't give a fuck what nobody say. I'm pretty sure Denzel was fucking like a motherfucker in the eighties and the nineties when he got in the game. And not to be funny, people look at them. They look at the Jada Pinkins and Will Smiths and uh, Michelle and Barack Obama's like a lot of times people like that will stay together because it's more of a detriment to their name and their legacy if they break up. You see what I'm saying? So think about a regular person who's been, you know, people who just in Miami or, you know, you got a friend and a homeboy and his girl and they've been together five years, four years, whatever the case may be. And people probably didn't think they was going to make it. Some people probably think, you know what, they're not going to make it or he looked better than her. She looked better than him. And a lot of people stay because of an underdog syndrome a lot of people stay because you know what i don't want people to be able to hang this over my head or be able to tell me that i failed but i tell a lot of people time a lot of times just because a relationship or a marriage ends does not mean that you failed you actually learned something everything can be looked at as a success it just depends on how you perceive it and how are you looking at it but far as just staying here i really i've been in several unhealthy relationships and personally speaking my two exes ago i knew that shit was over a long time ago bro but i stayed because one i loved her two like you said as a man i didn't want another nigga touching what i had and then the third one was just ego bro you just you know nobody wants to feel like i failed at something you know what i'm saying so you you just keep pushing and you keep trying that's my perspective on that so. Yeah, I mean, man, like my last relationship, you know, she's listening, you know, was it hard? We had, you know, good times, bad times, but like you said, man, I knew, like it came a point to where I knew that things weren't going to work. Like, yeah. you know, I had been single strategically for two years getting to know myself, yeah. and then when I got into that relationship, you know, I stayed because, you know, I was thinking maybe it was me, you know, maybe I'm being selfish, maybe, you know, there's things I need to work on. But then you just get to a point where you realize, you know, either timing wasn't good or just the chemistry doesn't work long term. You know True. what I'm saying? Like, once you get at that honeymoon stage, bro, like like you said, you really start to understand another individual. Yeah. If y'all not on the same page, just from a communication standpoint, or y'all not willing to do the things that your partner needs because either you're hard-headed or, you know, you're egotistical, then, you know, it's just a recipe for, it's not a recipe for success. So, yeah. ultimately, we ended up breaking up, but why I stayed because I thought, you know, maybe there's things that I needed to improve on, but I can't improve on things while I'm in a relationship. You know, Very so you true. Improve those things when you're alone. <laughs> but you know what's so funny is a lot of women don't understand that either. I know it's been I've been in several relationships where I'm like, hey, I need to be alone to figure things out, and. I know a lot of women probably fear giving me a break because I'm going to tell you like right now, bro, you give me a break. It, it ain't going to take long, man. It ain't going to take long. It, it ain't going to take long to be messing around or doing something to, you know, doing something else. But I mean, I, I speak highly of relationships. I think if you do them right, I think marriages and relationships, I think if you choose the person that you want to spend your time with or spend your life with, for real reasons, not for aesthetic reasons, not for monetary reasons. But, you know, of course, as men, you know, we choose women first off aesthetically and then we get to know them and we figure that shit out. But I think if more people start really getting in relationships and dating um, intentionally and being more transparent, I think they could be more successful relationships and not to be funny, try to date one person at a time because it's hard dating multiple people. I've done that shit and you end up using the same line. That's why you have those memes out where it's a meme out where they be like in the morning, it shows a guy rolling over on the side of the bed where he got somebody else in the bed and he sends a text. Good morning, miss lady or good morning, beautiful. But he sent that text as a mass text to like seven other girls because it's too much work to try and keep seven women happy. So not to be funny, you end up using the same lines on these girls and it becomes like you say, it goes back to it. Becomes 
becoming a buffet line of females and not to be funny you really are never paying that one woman or that one man the real you know attention that they deserve or that they need or that you may need to actually get to know that person yeah yeah no i think that's that's a good point i mean i've done that before you know what i'm saying too like you said man i don't know if it's human nature if it's just us being niggas or what but like I dated a chick, and like you said, I told her, yeah. like, you know, I need some space. Like, what is space? I didn't know what space was. I didn't believe in space until I actually needed space. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I real. genuinely didn't, yeah, I didn't have a desire to go date somebody else, but her whole thought process is, oh, you just want to go fuck girls, and you want to do this, and you want to do that, and I'm like, no, I genuinely need to explore, talk to other people to get a sanity check. Like, you know, we're going through some different things right now, so yeah. that doesn't happen be like this i think you're an amazing person but i also genuinely have a desire to talk to other people it's not that i don't like you or love you but it makes no sense for me to do this behind your back i'm being up front with it and that's what kills me man like everybody wants you to be up front honest and then when you do it it sounds cliche bro like people can't accept that shit like it's true no nigga i need i need space i need that time like this is what i'm telling you and you can't and you can't put it i'm talking to other people yeah and you can't put a you can't put a time frame on that either, bro. Like time, like if somebody says, "How much time do you need?" You could say, uh, "You can't say one day, one week, two weeks." Because not to be funny, it's been times where I, you know, I've told a girl, "Hey, I need a break. I need some time." And then two days later, because I know she's probably missing me, or I know because she's probably thinking about me, or she's reached out to me, I'm like, you know what? Let me cut this break a little short because I'm being selfish. And then you get right back into it, and a day later, you're back at the same place because not to be funny, you really didn't clean yourself you really didn't get your mind back on track because two days wasn't enough so for all the women and men listening when somebody says i need time get a motherfucker time if he don't come back then that ain't who you need in anyway do you want to be ruined because this person is not happy or do you want to be happy by letting this person figure it out and if you're not there when he or she comes back i mean it just wasn't meant to be bro you you, you can't kill it but i also think in relationships we were going to talk about emotions of men and not and not just even the emotions of men in a relationship, but even the emotions of men amongst each other. And this is something we talked about um, again last night on the Talking Greasy podcast where we were talking about why is it so difficult for men? You know what I'm saying? To like honestly emotionally depend on each other like say for instance if you're depressed and i've been knowing you for years like not to be funny bro i should be able to sense that something is wrong with you why is it that it's so hard for men to reach out for me to reach out and be like hey jakeem you good why is it and maybe i'm reaching out to you saying hey jakeem you good and you may not be good but why are we is it just out of habit that we'd be like yeah i'm straight and then you continue suffering by yourself why do you feel like men are so emotionally uh, protected or guarded, you know what I'm saying, against other men or not, you know, vulnerable enough to be open with other men. Man, dude, honestly, I think it's the words you just said, bro. Like, I'm thinking about myself. Like, I would consider myself a guarded individual by nature. Like, yeah. just, I don't know if it's just based on, like, experiences, how you raised or, or what it is, but I think it's that word vulnerable, man. Niggas just don't like to feel vulnerable. Nah. Like, and being like, in love is vulnerable. At all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, love is vulnerable. I think there's a sense of, not competition, but it's like, almost like, I don't know, man, that's a good question. Like, is it that you don't want to give, even though it could be your homeboy, yeah. but let's be honest, like, you really actually only have a few actual homeboys. Like, yeah. everybody that's out there knows that. Yeah. And it's like, do you not want to give this person ammo? Do you not 
do you not want to be considered weak? Do you not? Yeah. You know, I'm not exactly sure, but it's, it's, I mean, what do you think, man? I feel like for me, I mean, I have people use stuff against me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, if I'm being honest, I've said it on the podcast and I know you keep up, but I've had my brother use things against me. I've had my best friend used to be best friend use things against me. Like, honestly, in this moment in time in my life, and I just said this a week ago to somebody, I don't really have no homeboys, bro. Like, not at all. Like all the guys that I grew up with, it it I, it was either maybe I'm a shitty person, maybe I am, you know, I, I don't fucking know, I don't think I'm a shitty person. I feel I'm a, I, I know yeah. I'm an ass, I know I'm a jackass, and I can be a jerk, but I only dish that shit out to people who I feel deserve it. And every now and again, somebody like my girl may catch the bad end of the stick where she doesn't deserve it. And then I'm, you know, but I'm man enough to come back and say, you know what? I apologize, babe. You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have reacted that way. Whether I apologize in 30 minutes or 30 days, I get around to it at that point. But I feel like me personally for, for emotions with men, honestly, bro, I'll tell a nigga anything he want to know. And if I'm depressed, I'll tell a homeboy that I'm depressed. You know what I'm saying? When I had a better relationship with my brother, I used to tell him those things. But like I said, earlier this year, those things, lies and truth were used against me. So you become more guarded because it's like, damn, if my brother do that to me or damn, if my homeboy will do that to me, damn, if my homeboy will turn my, his back on me, then what do you do? I've had people try to expose me on social media and bro, I don't even go back to do that shit because that's the lamest fucking shit you can do is expose somebody else's truth. And I think that's why men stay so guarded. That's why pillow talk. If you think about men for, for ages, back when Kings used to lay with, you know, women, that pillow talk would get you in trouble with men and, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking with 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 uh women and men you know what i'm saying pillow talking telling your deepest heart's desires people steal shit from you steal your ideas or they use that shit against you and i think as men that's why we don't give it to other men and you know we talk about how gossipy that women can be man men are the worst bro the reason men are the worst to oh me when it comes to gossiping is women gossip out loud men gossip behind closed doors to people that you wouldn't expect them to gossip to and that's what make a lot of men bitch made bro in my opinion yeah bitch made so that yeah yeah so that's how that's why i feel like they do that but hey man we're gonna take a quick break again you're listening to the reality is where filtering becomes extinct we're gonna pay a few bills and we'll be right back man we back again this is episode 128 with the homie jakeem gregory uh we had to pay a little bills we wanted to switch the program up a little bit so on this segment we're gonna be talking about doing what you want to do in your life versus what others tell you you should do now this is something i'm gonna be honest with you bro this is something i'm familiar with because before i graduated college and even after i graduated college people have been telling me cut your hair you know i got dreadlocks is pretty much to my tailbone now and people always tell me you need to cut your hair you know what i'm saying you can't get in a professional world with your hair being this way but the whole thing that i don't think people understand my mindset is fuck corporate bro if you don't accept me for who i am and what it is that i'm trying to do then i don't want to work for you anyway but why do you feel like it's is it more of a safe haven that people feel like hey if we do what people tell us to do or if we follow you know whatever this life pattern is to get that you know big house and a picket fence with picket fence with two kids and a dog like why are people so programmed to continue to go that route as opposed to breaking out on their own and actually making a life for themselves man yeah man this topic is uh like first off bro like you just can't give a fuck 
but let me just start with saying that. And I think, <laughs> like, you know, that <laughs> you just can't, bro. Like, yeah. And I learned that lesson, too. And I think, you know, what I've learned from my own experiences is that, man, we, like, it's an information war now, right? Like, information is in the money. Like, in the past, it was that, you know, either you were raised a certain kind of way, you know, within your own, you know, household, you were told certain things. You yeah. go to an institution, you're told certain things, you know what I'm saying? And eventually it starts to program you, like, right, wrong, or that is how you're programmed. True. So at some point, you know what I'm saying, certain people have the ability to, to hatch out of that egg and say, you know, I really don't want this shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I really don't want to have to do this for 30 years. I don't want to have to struggle like you. And then it's just a matter of, do you have the initiative or do you have the, the proper information? I think a lot of people, man, they just see or they're told that's what you're supposed to do. So that's the path that they follow. And you're so focused on that path that you never look up or you never look left or you never look right. You're told money's bad. You're told this and that. Yeah. But it's like, what do you actually want to pursue? You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, in combination with that, I think the bigger thing is people are scared of risk, man. Yeah. Like, people are absolutely scared of risk and being different. And I'm not saying that everybody out there listening to the podcast, but how many people have a burning desire to do something, right? Yeah. But when you share that idea with somebody or you start to travel that path, you either get, you know, negative responses or say, why would you do that? Why would you do this? And, uh, you know, for some people that don't have the perseverance or the, the mental strength to overcome that, yeah. you know, they just kind of put that idea to the side. And it's funny because I, I was talking to one of my friends the other day and she's tired of working, you know, she's, she's, She's in the health. I guess you could say she's in the medical field. And she hit me up and she's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm tired of this job. I need to do something. I need to find a passion, you know? And she was like, you, you know, she's like, you have a nine to five. You go to work every day. She was like, but you love to do photography. You know, you get paid for doing photography. You get paid to do podcasting and you podcast. You, you actually are making another life with the things that you love to do. And she was like, I need to tap into my passion. And what you said is something that she said, you know, she was like, I've had these ideas about creating things and I don't want to say what she wanted to create it cuz you know people be stealing shit especially women but uh she, <laughs> but she said she talked about a few things she talked about a few things no offense to women don't kill me feminists but she she said a few things and she talked about some ideas that she wanted to get out there and I told her I said I championed her and I said hey you should definitely do that I think you have the knowledge and the and, and the back knowledge to get that information and put that information out to other people and the the thing that she wants to do is something that I feel like the world needs our community needs. So I told her to go ahead and do it. And a lot of times, like you say, you don't really have people backing what it is that you want to do. And a lot of times they don't back it because they don't understand it. And that's when you have to dig right. deep, get the content together, figure out what it is to move forward. But not even in just not even in just uh, in, in, in the work field or the career field. A lot of people do what people tell them to do in relationships. A lot of people are married now and they've been married since they was 18 or they had a kid by somebody and they got married because their parents or their grandparents, this is what they told them to do. A lot of people still believe in Christianity, not because they chose to believe in it, because they were raised around religion, uh, their parents' religion, and they grew up, you know, and that's one thing that happened to me. I grew up in my mom's house, but I think it was 17 years of age, and I told my mom, I'm not going to church anymore. I don't want to go to the church we're going to. And I haven't found a church home since then because Honestly, my understanding for myself is church is not for me. I can read the Bible on my on my own and I can gain an understanding on my own. If I want to go to church, it should be because I truly want to go, not because I've been forced to go, not because it's out of repetition and tradition to continuously go. So for you personally, bro, like I don't know if you believe in God or what your religious you know, perspective or take is, but 
or do you feel like your whatever your belief is? Do you feel like it's something you've inherited from your parents, or is something that you created on your own? Yeah, mom is actually the same path as you. Like I grew up in a very traditional Baptist church, right? Yeah. And then when I went to college, man, I got integrated into women, partying, I played football in college, right? So, yeah. I, I mean, I really didn't, like, going to church was a chore when I was younger. Let's just be quite honest, yeah. right? Like, I had to go. Yeah. Then understand it was real traditional. I really didn't get much out of it, to be honest. I understood God. I believed in God. I said my prayers, you know, said grace, all that good stuff. But did I have a true connection? If I'm being honest with myself, don't really think so. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So then when I graduated from college, you know, I was like, all right, let me reconnect again, feeling like it was something I personally needed to do yeah. because that's how I was raised. You know what I'm saying? And then once I got into this non-denominational church world and, and better start to understand it, I was just like you, man. It's like, you know, why am I coming here on this day being judged every day of the week? Like, Fact. is it more of a obligation or is it something that I'm actually getting out of this as improving my life? But then, like you said, when I started seeking out other resources like, you know, the Internet and, and different forums and things like that. And, you know, I believe in God. Um, do I consider myself a Christian? Um, I think that's up for debate. Do I believe there's another force? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do I feel like there's a certain path that I need to travel to connect? Not by any stretch of the imagination. But the difference between going into church on Sunday and doing the same thing, doing the same thing I did on Sunday in church I could do at home on a Tuesday night. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much. So that's where kind of my... <laughs> that's where my confusion came in from a from a um, a religion and a faith sense. Um, I think just to sum it up, I would say I don't necessarily have a religion, um, but I do believe that you know there's a, a greater being, um, you know, that you connect with, and ultimately there's a certain way uh, that you should do things in a sense um, in order to strive to have a better life. That's yeah, all, that's what I would say. I have faith, not religion. Religion, and I'm the same way. And and to answer the question, uh, you know, we always present problems and always try to find solutions. You know, with the doing what you want to do in your life versus what others tell you to do, tell you what you should do. Honestly, I just tell people follow your gut and follow your heart. Follow your gut first because emotions. If you think with your heart, I mean that shit that motherfucker lead you astray. So I always tell people go with what you think and follow your gut, and you go from there. But I definitely don't feel like. I don't feel like you need religion to be a better person. I don't. I don't feel like you need somebody else to be a good person. I don't feel like you need corporate America to be successful. I feel like you can be successful by being an entrepreneur or working outside of corporate America. I feel like you can do research about religion on your own to get a better understanding. And it sounds very, very fucking crazy to say this, but I remember when I used to read the Bible and when I used to, even now, sometimes when I'm searching for something or I'm thinking about what can I do better, I fast. Now, that's one thing I still use. Um, I woke up this morning, you know what I'm saying? And I didn't eat, you know, because a lot of times when you're hungry, not to be funny, when you're hungry or you're high, a lot of things come to you and you think a little bit different, bro. And I think you have to when you're high, of course, it's thinking with it's like it opens up a third eye. And then, you know, you start thinking outside the box. Some things could be good. Some things could just be weird shit. But when you're hungry, you think of a different way. That's why they call it consecration and they want you to fast. You know, like, don't worry about the food. Don't worry about nourishment. Let God nourish your mind, whatever God that may be. Get in connection and in tune with him, which means getting in tune with yourself. You can't know God, bro, if you don't know your fucking self. And a lot of these people out here claiming to know God and they don't even know who the fuck they are. God is in you. God is not you. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, hell yeah. I think like, you know, to put all this together, man, like, and for all y'all listening too, 
not like I've had people that I dated, man, and just even some of my friends, right? Maybe they call this cold hearted. Maybe they say, "Oh, you're emotionless." But man, you truly just can't give a fuck what nobody thinks. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I think you definitely you have to be self aware and understand, you know, what perception is, and should it affect everything you do? No, but you yeah. should, you know, you you for some perception is reality. But what I'm getting at, bro, is like whether it's work, whether it's religion, whether it's Whatever the case may be in your life, dog, like people have to understand that the people you're only when you let other people's opinions dictate what you do, you're essentially living to please them. Exactly. And I like these people, these people don't pay your damn bills. They don't do shit for, for you. you. You know what I'm saying? And some of those people, hey, it's gonna sting some people, but some of those people are the closest people to you, including yeah. your family. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> yeah. like you said, bro, they may not be the vision, bro. But you know what's so funny? Gotta, people will be. Yeah, and people will be mad at you for doing something different, not only because they're mad at you because you're going against the grain, but they're mad at you because you're doing some shit that they couldn't do. You know how many people are still, I know people who are still going to the church that I grew up in, not saying that it's a bad church, but it was a lot of fluff and bullshit while I was there. And you still have people who don't know what to do, so they stay there. I'll be honest, 17 years in the game at that church, bro, when I decided to move around and leave the church, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I didn't know what the fuck to do with all my free time. I went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. I went on Tuesdays for choir rehearsal, Wednesday night, Thursday for choir rehearsal, traveled out of town to go sing on Fridays, and Saturdays we had church. When you get five days of your life back, what the fuck are you to do? And a lot of times people, when they don't know what to do, they run right back to it. It's just like prison. When they release these prisoners, that shit lets you know they have yet they have not been reformed in prison because when they come out, they do the same thing. They treat them like animals in prison and they come out acting like a fucking animal. So the only place that they belong is back in prison. That's why I don't believe in the prison system and, and, and that prison reform bullshit and the things that they're doing in, in, in prison now with yoga and all of that shit. Like I think they should have those things open their minds up to different things. And you have a lot of people that are like our tax dollars are paying for this shit, but do you want a convict back on the street or do you want a reformed person who realizes what they did wrong and come back out on the street and give you know be given a second chance you know what i'm saying so man bro do what the fuck you want to do we got about 10 more minutes left i wanted to talk about the last topic you brought to me and i'll let you kick this one off how black people invest their money versus real uh, real investments versus perceived investments and the lack of education within our community on appreciating assets versus liabilities tell us what you meant by that man yeah so really man um Here's what I mean by this. So if you think about it, you know, black, white, Latino, whatever the race may be, when you go through school, right, you're taught about geography, social studies, all these things that are good and challenge you to think, but are not necessarily practical lessons for you to live in real life. Yeah. You know, when I went through college, right, I learned all this stuff. I majored in finance and investments. But, you know, when you get out of school, you know, what is, I learned it, but what is APR on a credit card? You know what I'm saying? What is, I bought my first car, shit, I had no idea what my credit score was, right? I had no idea how to impact it. So basically what I was getting at is that there is, your parents do the most amazing job they can, right? Help you like they're trying to get you to 18. You know what I'm saying? Pretty (laughs) much. Not be dead. So it's like, you know, the lack of education, but with the the information available now. Before you you do that, before you do that, before you get into that, let me repeat what you just said, because I think that's paramount. Your parents, as black parents, they're trying to get you to 18 and just not be dead. <laughs> like, that's big, yeah. bro. Like, we got bigger shit to worry about, like not losing our lives to police violence and so on and so forth. But go ahead, man. I just had to make sure people heard that because that's something yeah. that white people don't have to worry about. I'm sorry. But go ahead. I'm listening to you. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, to piggyback on that, I think sometimes people have, you know, you know, uh, an aggression towards their parents or like, damn, you know, they compare themselves to white people. But like you said, man, those are just things that they don't have to worry about. You yeah. have to understand your parents see all the different elements that affect the black people. Exactly. They're trying to protect you and prepare you for the real world. Um, but I guess really, man, the bigger picture. So one thing we talked about, right, is I started investing in real estate, right? Yeah. And, you know, one of the reasons I started doing that is because I was watching documentaries on people that were successful. And one consistent thing I saw was real estate. This was back in uh, 2013. Yeah. So, you know, I started doing a lot of research and understood, you know, I had a lot of businesses. Uh, you know, I did a lot of things for money. But it's like, how do these people start creating generational wealth? How do they multiply their money instead of, you know, just working for the money? And I was growing up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And one of the things that I saw that I thought was an asset, right? So the niggas that was successful to me were the niggas that had the girls, right? Yeah, yeah. And the niggas that had the clothes and the niggas that had the cars. Yeah. So to me, those are what assets were. And then you get into a, a situation where you're like, okay, these niggas are 18, 19. Like, I'm 15. How do I get to their level? These yeah. are the local celebrities. And, uh, you know, you realize how they're doing it, which is being in the drug game or what have you. Yeah. But ultimately, man, I think, you know, as black people, what we do is we see that and it almost becomes a it, it's what you you talk about the lack of fathers in the community as well that's what we aspire to be yeah. number one and then number two there's a sense of competition within our community that exactly. we end up spending our money on these depreciating assets we weren't designer and all this and that but we don't have a house we don't have stocks we don't have all of this and the caveat to that is the lack of information as well and that's yeah. something that you know i'm very passionate about within the black community of us needing to empower each other to get our youth and even ourselves up to that level of thinking yeah. and stop comparing ourselves to white people and start educating ourselves and competing and putting ourselves on a higher pedestal from that standpoint. No, I understand. And that's crazy because I know when I started working at Fidelity as a financial analyst and I was working there and it was so many things that I learned. Like you said, a lot of people don't know what an APR is, uh, APR. And the funny thing about it, when I moved to Dallas, there were so many things that I didn't know coming from Texacana to Atlanta to here. It was one of those things where it was like, what the fuck is this? So I literally intentionally and strategically applied for jobs that would teach me these things. When I first got here, first of all, I worked at a warehouse. It taught me about hard work. I used to sell drugs. So to come to a situation of selling drugs ain't hard work, bro. You have to be strategic, but it's not hard work, really. You just got to be strategic so you don't lose your life or get your ass whooped or get robbed. But right. when you're talking about doing things, I my, one of my first jobs, I got a job at, um, I worked at a health company, HCA. So first of all, that taught me about medical bills and billing and coding and things of that nature that you do need in life when in understanding bills and understanding medical bills. That's why a lot of people don't pay them motherfuckers because it really doesn't affect you. One of my next jobs was I worked in corporate and I worked in uh, I, I worked in um, collections, billing and collections for uh, GMAC and uh, Nissan. So with Nissan, it's like I learned about the APR rate. I learned about the interest rate. I learned that when you go look at a car and it says $18,000 on the window, that has shit to do with what you're about to pay after they add that taxes and annual fees and like you said the msrp and all of that once they add that shit in that 18 just jumped up to twenty eight thousand. so what you thought you actually could afford you really couldn't afford and a lot of these people go in and they buy these cars because they feel like well it's only 380 dollars a month but does that go with your financial statement of being able to take care of this bill each month? After I left there, I worked for city mortgage. I learned about mortgages. I learned about refinancing. I learned about second mortgages and all of these things and how beneficial it can be and how detrimental it can be, bro. So learning about those three facets of life taught me so much about not buying things that you don't need. And I was that same motherfucker buying all these shoes, 
all these clothes, chasing women, because like you said, when you grow up in the hood, you you want to be who's popular, popular. You want to be the person who's liked. And that showed you at that point in time in your life that those are the people who are liked. But if you flip it on the flip side, those same people that are being made fools of in, in school and in high school being nerds and shit, those are the cool motherfuckers now because they're smart and they put the, they put that education to good use, man. And we like you said, with assets and liabilities, we also got to learn about investing. A lot of people want money from investing, but they don't understand the investment game and the banking game is a long play. It's a long play. You, it's not a short yeah. game. If you get a short game, and I learned that the hard way too. I remember d- investing something when I was doing some things, and I had like seventy five thousand, bro. And I took out seventy five thousand from like just a traditional uh, RA, like a Roth RA or something like that. And when I took it out, man, to know the twenty five percent that it was going to hit me, I didn't know anything about that. But I learned and I learned the hard way. And those are the things that people need to start learning. You don't have to go to school for this shit. You can go pick up financing 101 for dummies or investment for dummies. Like the knowledge is out there for you. And that's why a lot of white people make a lot of jokes about black people don't read. Not to be funny. They are the ones who kept us from reading and they create that narrative because black people actually do read. But you know what I'm saying? Everything that you need to know, you can buy a book, man, and and learn that and and be self-taught and learn about those things about investing and where you have that lack of education you can now have that education about the things that you need to know yeah and i think to all the listeners out there like you know i very much am an individual that doesn't like to sit down and read a book that's 200 pages no me neither bro it's not my thing but what you gotta realize like i said everybody listening is that google is the best resource of information you can have like literally anthony everything that i've learned and i've thought myself man probably over the last five years like stop being dependent on other people for information don't nobody owe you shit no nope. i gotta give you shit go to google type in what you want to know and learn it you know yep. what i'm saying like yep. you want to know what this is go learn it and you know i think for those that really want you know to to you know accumulate wealth or accumulate like income like there's a difference between having money and having wealth you know what i'm saying yeah and i think that you know people have to stop looking at you know how do i get save money to buy this particular material thing yeah versus you know how do i accumulate wealth to better put myself in a position to achieve x you know what i'm saying so instead of having a material goal we need to have you know um a life goal and it doesn't have to be a 30-year goal it's yeah. a year goal right yeah but like you said man we're too caught up in you know, the face value of this actual payment from a monthly standpoint. No, I got this Mercedes and I can post it on Instagram. I can post it on Facebook. That don't mean shit. Not at all. And like, we'll get you a thousand dollar Honda, call it a day, take the rest of those funds, parlay it into something else. Yep. And just keep, you know, keep multiplying your funds, man. A lot of people don't have intellectual property, bro. And that's the issue. I heard somebody talk about that not too long ago, and I may name the podcast that intellectual property with Jakeem Gregory, but that's straight up real, bro. Like we don't have intellectual property. And a lot of times we don't have it because it's not being passed down. And one of the things that I had to learn with, with, with growing up without a father is like you said, you can learn these things on your own and you don't have to, you may be your father's son or your, your, your mother's daughter, but you don't have to be their mistakes. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to be. There's a world of knowledge that they didn't have when they were our age that we have access to now. We just have to not be lazy and and, and get out there and go get it. So we got about three minutes left before we wrap it up. Tell them where they can find you at on social media and actually tell them what it is you do, bro, because you are a very smart dude. Fuck the degrees. Like just talking to you over the last couple of weeks, you are an intelligent person from just just doing the things that you do. You're a do-it-yourself, pull-up-by-the-bootstrap type person. So tell them what it is you do and then tell them where they can find you at on social media media 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am DJ Man. I used to, uh, you know, work for Amazon.com, and uh, you know, I used to be uh, kind of a senior exec there. And uh, you know, I got to a point, you know, um, over the last few years, where I built a, a real estate development company. And uh, 60 days ago, I actually left Amazon. I'm running this full time. So the company's called Bones to Homes. Okay. And what we do, um, we purchase land. Um, you guys see HGTV where they flip houses. Yeah. We actually do uh, the architecture and all that stuff's fake, by the way. But we do everything from the ground up. Uh, we buy distressed homes the whole nine. We gentrify neighborhoods. So, you know, if you're interested in real estate investing, reach out to me, connect with me, just even from an educational standpoint, an interest standpoint, or even if you want to do business together. I'm located in Miami. Business is based in Indiana, but we're nationwide. You can find me um, on Instagram at Keem, K-E-E-M, underscore team, T-A-T-E-A-M, 100. So Keem, underscore team, 100. Um, inbox me, what have you. Um, you can reach me by email at bones2homes, L-L-C, at gmail.com. That's B-O-N-E-S, numeral 2, L-L-C, at gmail.com. Um, reach out with any questions, anything you have. Love to hear from y'all, and uh, that's where y'all can find me. All right, man, I appreciate it. Also, man, be sure to keep up with all things The Reality Is by going to www.therealityis.com. That's T-H-A, therealityis.com. Also, follow us at The Reality Is on Twitter, Instagram, Anchor, Facebook. You can listen to previous podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, SoundCloud, Player.fm, Listen Notes, and more. If you would like to be a guest on the show or you would like us to answer one of your questions from our perspective, be sure to email us at info at therealityis.com or call us and leave a message at 469 469- three five one nine six eight one and we will be sure to answer that question on the upcoming episode last but not least and yes i'm reading this shit be sure to leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you listen to on the podcast we don't care if it's a good review we don't care if it's a bad review we just want to hear from you and always remember to inhale courage to excel success man jakeem i appreciate you for calling in bro hey man appreciate you for having me not a problem Say your grace, nigga. Keep the haters, keep the demons away, fam. Pray every day. Say your grace, nigga. Keep the haters, keep the demons away, fam. On my black Nina in the sky, shoot it high. Maybe hitting an angel, watch it fall down, fam. Free the hope, I said free the guys. On my life, been addicted to the pussy, that's my vice, yeah. Drink it, drink it, drink it, all my problems. I don't need nobody, I just need my bottle, that's for certain. No. Put the pussy on a pedestal. I don't got no. Be like, are we gonna be able to vibe? Is this dude gonna understand me? Am I gonna understand him? Like, those are some of the hardest parts of recording when you're recording with people from a remote location or people that you've never met. Because a lot of people, when they know something is recording or their voice is gonna be out there, they freeze up, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my first time, actually. Uh you know, shit recording publicly, so I think I'm taking some notes too. Yeah, I'm just trying to be myself, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I, uh, probably could be a little bit more unfiltered. That's really how I am. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. 
Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.